your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 242 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you will get 20% off of your next order. Today, I wanted to talk quite a bit about a topic that we've gotten into a little bit on this podcast from time to time during the offseason here. It is the idea of Tony D'Angelo potentially moving to the left side this upcoming season for the New York Rangers. It's something that we talked about when we had Anthony Scultori of Forever Blue Shirts on the show. If you missed that episode, it was actually a two-parter. I definitely recommend going back and checking that out right now. We got into a couple of different topics, including projecting the Rangers opening night lineup. And of course, one of the topics that came up while we were doing that was, okay, how do the Rangers use their top six defensemen. Who are their six defensemen that are going to be active on most game nights, and how are they going to line up? Do you move Tony D'Angelo up from the third pairing onto the second pairing, and do you also switch him to the left side to kind of balance out the blue line a little bit? So we're going to get into that in just a second. We're also going to be talking about the NHL's retro jerseys. We're going to wrap up the episode talking about that today. I'm just going to give you my five favorite and my five least favorite NHL retro jerseys for the upcoming season. Obviously, the Rangers have brought back the Lady Liberty alternate jerseys. That's going to be a lot of fun to see those again. I am a little bit wary just because the Rangers didn't really do a lot of winning when they were wearing those jerseys back in the day. But we will dive into, again, the best and the worst of the retro jerseys because all 31 teams are going to participate. It's a very subjective list, but I'll give you my picks. You guys can let me know what I got right, what I got wrong, what are your top five favorite, what are your least favorite five jerseys, all that good stuff. But yes, let's start with Tony D'Angelo here and the idea that he could move to the left side for the New York Rangers in this upcoming season. There is a lot to consider here, and like I said, it's something that we discussed with Anthony Scultori from Forever Blue Shirts when he was on the show. I think Anthony and I were both open to the idea of D'Angelo switching to the left side. Uh, First of all, let me just say, I think it's fantastic that D'Angelo himself has said that he is willing to do so if it helps the team. Uh, He did play the left side in the minors, so it's not like it's a foreign concept to him moving from the right side to the left side, but this is just the latest example of how the Rangers really do seem to have a team-first mentality, and that's always great to hear uh, when you see examples of that. But why would the Rangers want to move D'Angelo to the left side, especially after he just had the best season of his career on the right side? And quite simply, it's because the Rangers, right now, they have a little bit of an imbalance on the blue line. I don't think too many people would argue with me when I say that right now, as it stands currently, the best four Ranger defensemen in no particular order right now are Tony D'Angelo, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, and Jacob Truba. Now, could that change at some point? Yeah, it could. It could even change as soon as this season. If somebody like Keandre Miller gets caught up to the NHL, makes his debut, and, uh, you know, just kind of hits the ground running and becomes a very productive player for the Rangers right out of the gate, that's something that could happen. Uh, Maybe Liber Hayek forces his way into the lineup at some point, and he improves from where he was last season. Maybe another one of these Ranger prospects comes up and uh, makes an impact. Maybe there's somebody we're not even thinking about. Maybe there's this year's version of Ryan Lindgren, because if you remember, Ryan Lindgren wasn't really expected to certainly become a top four defenseman for the Rangers, but lo and behold, that's exactly what happened, and it happened in the span of just one season. So all these scenarios, they're at least possible, but going into the season, your top four Ranger defensemen, once again, D'Angelo, Fox, Lindgren, Truba. 
The slight issue there is that all of them, except for Lindgren, plays the right side. So in an effort to sort of balance everything out and presumably give top four minutes to the best four defensemen on the team, the Rangers seem to be considering the option of moving D'Angelo to the left side. First of all, we got to break this down. Why Tony D'Angelo? Well, of the three candidates, again, it's D'Angelo, Fox, and Truba. One of them would have to move if you want to make it more balanced. Of the three... He's the one who seems to have the most experience playing on the left side, having done so obviously in the minors, like I said. And when you look at the three candidates, I think he just makes the most sense because with Truba, he's got the most experience in the NHL. He is just 26 years old, but by Ranger standards, that's a grizzled veteran. He's somebody who's kind of established himself in the NHL as a very good player, more than the other two have, at least to this point. He's also the one with the big contract. And I know You know, there were some Ranger fans, maybe they were expecting a little bit more out of Jacob Truba in his first year with the team. That's not totally unfair, but I do think that Truba got better as the season went on. He's a very physical defenseman who can also contribute offensively. Always nice to have some of those two-way defensemen. And I'm looking for a big year from Jacob Truba in year two with the Rangers. I think he's going to be just fine. I think he'll grow to be a very popular player with the Rangers, being someone who can bring that snarl to the rink that Ranger fans so desperately covet. But yeah, I mean, coming off of what can be considered a slightly disappointing season for Truba in his first year with the Rangers, I don't think you ask him, again, the guy with the big contract, to step out of his comfort zone by switching to the left side. So we can rule out Truba. I mean, maybe not totally rule him out. Maybe the Rangers, that's something that they would consider. But for the purposes of this exercise, let's go ahead and rule out Truba. As far as Adam Fox moving to the left side, look, it's an option, but I wouldn't do that either because Fox was a rookie this past season, and he had a far better season than I think a lot of us were expecting. Certainly a lot of us were optimistic about Fox coming into the season. He's somebody that I think the Rangers have been pretty high on, but he was kind of ahead of schedule this past season as well. Uh, He was even in the Rookie of the Year conversation, and his defense was a lot better than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. And finally, I don't want to break up the Fox-Lingren combo. They were fantastic together last season. Both of them overachieved. They both gave the Rangers more than anyone was expecting at the start of last season. And I'm not going to make Lingren out to be an all-star defenseman. He's not there, at least not yet. But he was an afterthought going into training camp last year. And you fast forward to this season coming up. And now, again, firmly entrenched as a top four defenseman on this team. So when you consider how good Fox and Lingren were together... Does anyone listening to this really want to break the two of them up? I've talked about this on this show before. They can be a pairing for the Rangers for the next decade going forward. I really think if that ends up happening, and and who knows how it's going to work out, you can't keep everybody, but if the two of them are anchoring the Ranger blue line for the next decade or so, I feel great about that. The two of them in a top four role going forward for many, many years to come. And you wouldn't just be breaking them up, but you'd also be asking Adam Fox to switch positions after he flirted with Rookie of the Year honors. I don't see that as something that needs to happen next season. So I think if one of the three guys, again, Truba, Fox, D'Angelo, if one of them is going to move to the left side, D'Angelo pretty much needs to be the guy. I'm not saying that Fox and or Truba wouldn't be able to handle it, but I just think, again, if someone needs to switch sides for all those reasons I just mentioned, it should be Tony D'Angelo. Now, that is not to say that it's a complete no-brainer to switch D'Angelo, because anyone who listens to this show on the regular... You guys know that I'm big on, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And D'Angelo, again, coming off of a fantastic season. He smashes his career high in goals with 15. He smashes his career high in assists with 38. And he smashes his career point totals with 53. Uh, D'Angelo debuted back in 2016-2017 with the Coyotes, and he's gotten better and better and better every season he's been in the league. He's done all of that while playing on the right side. He's played 200 games on the nose. 15 of his 24 career goals came last season. 38 of his 81 career assists came last season, and 53 of his 105 career points came last season, so more than half. 
With all that said, are we sure we want to mess with this guy and move him to the left side of the rink? Because again, this is not a move that the Rangers absolutely must make. It's something to consider. It's definitely an idea. I do like the thought process of wanting your four best defensemen to play on the top two pairings and give them as many minutes as possible and have them out there when the game is on the line and all that good stuff. But I do have to wonder, do all 53 of Tony D'Angelo's points from last season move with him across the rink to the left side? Or, you know, whatever the equivalent of that would be for next season. Because the Rangers played 70 games this past season. D'Angelo played in 68 of them. We don't know how many games the Rangers are going to play this season. We don't even know for sure if there's going to be an NHL season. But you guys get what I'm saying. Will D'Angelo produce offensively at the same clip if they switch him to the left side? It's a fair question to wonder. And, you know, forget about goals and assists and points for a second here as well. D'Angelo is a defenseman. And if there is a weakness in his game, it is his defensive prowess. You can live with it. You can live with him being average in his own zone because he gives you so much offensively. And I think certainly he's gotten better defensively, just as he's gotten better in basically every facet of the game over these past few years with the Rangers. There's no reason to think he won't continue to improve going forward. But will switching to the left side harm his development as it pertains to the defensive aspects of the game? I don't know, but I think I have a fairly simple solution to all that. I'm going to tell you about that in just a second here. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Go. Built Go will help you break through your wall. It is the healthy replacement for your energy drink, but the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. And I can tell you from experience, it's a fantastic product to use before playing baseball, tennis, or even frisbee golf. Built Go comes to us all from the same people who brought us the world's fastest growing protein bar, Built Bar. It will help you break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it every day with Go. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages, put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. How does Built Go work so well? Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. All right, we're going to continue to talk about Tony D'Angelo potentially moving to the left side next season. But first, just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a heads up as far as what's coming up on the Locked On New York Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to be talking about NHL.com's recent article. They've been doing this with all the different positions, and most recently, they took a look at the top 20 centers in the league. So we're going to look at that article, and specifically Mika Zibanejad's placement on that article. NHL.com has also come up with the top 250 fantasy players. I'm not going to go through every single player on that list, but you guys know we're going to be doing the Locked On New York Rangers Fantasy League coming up in just a couple of months here. A lot of you have already uh, reached out to me and secured your spot in the league. That's fantastic. But we're going to talk a little bit about how the Rangers rank on the top 250 lists. That's going to be very, very interesting as well. Definitely looking to line up a guest for you guys as well sometime either this week or next week at the latest. And another topic I want to get into at a certain point here in the next couple of episodes is why I think it was actually a smart move for the Rangers to hang on to Brendan Smith for this upcoming season. There might be some eyebrows going up right now. That's fine. A lot of people thought he could be a buyout candidate, but I think there actually are some pros to having him still in the fold with this Ranger team for one more season. So we're going to get into all that. But back to Tony D'Angelo here. 
and more specifically, the solution to everything we just talked about, you know, the idea of him potentially moving to the left side of the rink, how do you handle it if you're the Rangers, what six defensemen do you go with, how do they all line up on opening night, I think what you do with Tony D'Angelo, I think it's a fairly simple solution here, you're obviously considering the possibility of him playing on the left side during next season. So I think what you do is you give him as much time as possible on the left side, in practice, in training camp, in preseason games, if there are any preseason games, and you get him as many reps and as much time as possible on the left side. And you let him play on the left side in all facets of the game. Again, this includes practice. This includes training camp. This includes preseason games. So you get him out there, obviously at even strength, but you also put him out there on the power play on the left side and even the penalty kill. And I realize there are defensemen on the Rangers who are better suited to play the PK than Tony D'Angelo, but there's no harm in giving him a look there in practice, training camp, and the preseason games. That's what all those things are for, to kind of just experiment, mess around a little bit, see how you want to line up on opening night and beyond. So get him out there on the left side as much as possible. Just see how he does. Make your decision from there. And if you're the Ranger coaching staff, allow Tony D'Angelo to give you some honest feedback. I think David Quinn has a really good relationship with his players. He's very tough. I think he's also very fair. But it does seem like he really cares about those guys. And he has established a united locker room in his first couple seasons as the Ranger head coach. So continue that. Allow Tony D'Angelo to give you honest feedback about how he feels about playing the left side. Now, with athletes, and specifically hockey players, I think the natural thing for them to say is, oh, yeah, you know, I feel good. Whatever the team needs, you know, let's do it. Uh, but the Ranger coaches need to keep close tabs on this. If they don't like what they're seeing with Tony D'Angelo on the left side, then just put him back on the right side, which is where he just had this fantastic breakout season in 2019-2020. Because the Rangers, I can't stress this enough, they don't need to do this move. They don't absolutely 100% need to switch somebody from the right side to the left side. Now, I'm a big fan of getting your best players on the ice as much as you can. And again, there is a big drop-off, in my opinion, as it stands right now, between the Rangers' top four defensemen and everyone else. And that's no disrespect to anybody like Brendan Smith or Jack Johnson or Liber Hayek or anybody else in the Rangers' system. I just feel that the top four Right now, the top four defensemen on the Rangers are the top four defensemen by a solid margin. And as far as ice time is concerned, if you really want to get D'Angelo out there as much as possible and make sure he gets more ice time than guys like Johnson, Smith, Hayek, that will probably happen even if he's still just playing on the third defense pairing on the right side next season. Why? Because D'Angelo's going to get a ton of time on the power play. And depending on how the game flows and how many power play opportunities the Rangers get, uh, that's going to tip the scales in D'Angelo's favor, again, even if he's still on the third defense pairing. And I know with Tony D'Angelo, the season he just had, playing on the third defense pairing probably sounds a little bit beneath him at this point, and I think maybe that's what the Rangers are thinking, that, man, we got to move this guy up. we got to get him into a top-four role. But again, he just had this awesome season on the third defense pairing and on the right side. So it's not something that you have to force. And if you look at last season, as far as time on the ice, if, there, if there's people worried that by playing on the third defense pairing, Tony D'Angelo is not going to be on the ice enough, well, look at the stats from last season. D'Angelo last year averaged 19 minutes, 17 seconds of ice time per game. And we're going to compare this to the other Ranger defensemen. First of all, let's start with Brennan Smith. Brennan Smith was only out there for 11.06 per night. Now, that number is probably skewed by the fact that Smith spent a good chunk of last season as a forward on the fourth line before moving back to defense. But even with that taken into consideration, D'Angelo obviously spending a lot more time on the ice than somebody like Brennan Smith. Mark Stahl, you know, he was traded this offseason, but D'Angelo got more minutes than Stahl. Stahl averaged 17.38 to D'Angelo's 19.17. 
D'Angelo also got more time than Liber Hayek. Hayek only had 15 minutes, 59 seconds last season. Now, Jack Johnson, a little bit different because obviously he wasn't on the Rangers. He was on the Penguins last season. He got 19 minutes and 27 seconds of ice time. I was surprised to hear that uh, given that he certainly struggled last year. So Johnson actually got more ice time than D'Angelo, but I would bet anything that that will not happen again now that they're teammates in New York. Johnson ends up with more ice time than Tony D'Angelo this season, then it's probably a result of Johnson playing far better than a lot of us think that he's going to. And at that point, it's a good problem to have. But I cannot, for the life of me, envision a scenario where Jack Johnson is playing more minutes than Tony D'Angelo, regardless of who is on which defense pairing or who's playing on which side of the ice or whatever it might be. Uh, Tony D'Angelo is going to see the ice a lot more than Jack Johnson next season. But with D'Angelo, he actually had more ice time than Adam Fox. Adam Fox had 18 minutes, 54 seconds per night. And he also had more than Ryan Lindgren, who had 16 minutes, 34 seconds per night. The only Ranger defenseman on the team last season who averaged more minutes than Tony D'Angelo was Jacob Truba, who averaged 22 minutes and 33 seconds. So D'Angelo, despite playing on the third pairing last season, was actually second on the team in minutes per night, at least as far as defensemen are concerned. So again, D'Angelo moving to the left side, it's definitely food for thought. It balances out the Rangers a little bit more, but it is not a move that absolutely 100% needs to be made. I think it's something that you certainly experiment with. You take advantage of whatever time you're going to have in the preseason with the training camps and the practices, the preseason games, all that good stuff. But there's no reason to force it if you don't think the left side is working out for Tony D'Angelo. And one last reason, and this is something that Anthony Scoltori and I talked about when he was on the show last week, I don't know that you want Jack Johnson and Brendan Smith as partners next season. And if you leave D'Angelo on the third pairing on the right side, then you can avoid that because obviously one of Jack Johnson and Brendan Smith will be on the second pairing. The other will be on the third pairing. I would imagine Brendan Smith probably on the second pairing, Jack Johnson on the third pairing. I mean, we'll see how they play it if that's indeed what the Rangers do with D'Angelo, leave him on that third pairing. But, you know, as this episode has progressed, I feel like I've kind of talked myself out of moving D'Angelo as we've talked our way through it here because... Moving Tony D'Angelo to the left side is something that's worth a look if you're the Rangers. A little versatility never hurt anyone. It would be nice to know that D'Angelo can play the left side, but it's not something that they need to force if they're just not feeling it, if Tony D'Angelo is just not feeling it. Give it a shot in the preseason, see how it goes, take it from there. But my biggest concern about Tony D'Angelo staying on the third defense pairing was that it might limit the amount of minutes he can play, but I think maybe I didn't take into account the amount of time that Tony D'Angelo spends on the power play, and... I was also surprised to find out that Tony D'Angelo was second on the Rangers in time on the ice, at least as far as defenseman is concerned, last season. So clearly playing on the third pairing did not affect him in that way. And that's my biggest concern here is the biggest reason why I want Tony D'Angelo to be a top four defenseman and to move to the left side. The biggest pro in doing that for me is that it gives him the opportunity to play top four minutes, but he's playing top four minutes anyway, even though he's on the third pairing. So again, as I've talked about this, as we've kind of gone our way through the entire uh, hypothetical here as far as Tony D'Angelo moving to the left side. I think I've kind of talked myself out of that. I'm completely fine with him staying on the third pairing on the right side if that's what the Rangers want to do. Again, it's worth a look. Maybe give him a chance to see what he can do on the left side in the preseason, but do not force this. Do not create a problem that does not exist because whether he's playing on the left side in the second pairing or on the right side in the third pairing, Tony D'Angelo is going to see a lot of ice time and he's going to make good things happen when he's out there. So, Let's see what happens. Let's see how the experiment goes, but do not force anything if you're the Rangers. 
All right, now the moment that everybody's been waiting for, we are going to rank the top five best as well as the top five worst retro jerseys since the NHL unveiled them uh, not too long ago here. Obviously, we know the Rangers are going with the Lady Liberty jerseys, but ever since these jerseys uh, were kind of revealed to the public, everybody's been weighing in. This one's cool. This one isn't good. This team didn't take enough of a chance. It looks too much like their original jersey. Everybody's had an opinion. I wanted to kind of take a chance to look at them a couple of times, let the dust settle a little bit, and just kind of decide which ones I like, which ones I don't like. I'd love to hear from you guys as well, so feel free to uh, get in touch with me any way you'd like. Tell me which jerseys you like, which ones you don't like so much. But let's start with the bad, and we'll work our way to the good. We will start at number five and go all the way up to the worst jersey, or what I consider to be the worst jersey of all 31 retro jerseys that we're getting. So we're going to start with number five here. And I'm going to go with the St. Louis Blues. The Blues look ridiculous. They just took their jersey and dipped it in red paint. That's what it looks like. And then they threw some more awful yellow in random places all over the jersey. Um, The reason this is only number five, I I realize this is kind of one of the more polarizing jerseys out there because I've seen some people who really seem to like it. And I do have to give the Blues some credit. They went for it, so I give them credit there. They definitely did not play it safe at all. But everything clashes with everything on this jersey. And this is a team that just won the Stanley Cup two years ago. And while I definitely respect the teams that are changing things up, changing up the color scheme, changing up the logo a little bit, this is the last team that needs to do it because they just won the Stanley Cup two seasons ago. So if any team on the list should have played it safe, especially when you look at what they came out with here, maybe it was the St. Louis Blues. They did anything but play it safe, but at the same time, not feeling these jerseys at all. Number four, we're going to go with the LA Kings. The Kings are just trying to be the Lakers. They went with a purple jersey, and there's yellow on the waist and on the sleeves and on the collar. There's no reason for them to go with the Lakers color scheme here, and I realize the Kings used to wear this a long time ago, but you're the Los Angeles Kings, man. Have some pride. Wear those black and silver jerseys. They're really sharp. I like the Los Angeles Kings jerseys. It's probably up there. Their original jerseys are probably up there, probably at least in my top 10, I would say, but you've won the Stanley Cup twice in the past decade. Don't try to be the Los Angeles Lakers. Be the Los Angeles Kings and be damn proud of being the Los Angeles Kings. So that's number four. Number three, we're going to move up to the Detroit Red Wings. So the Detroit Red Wings, their normal jerseys are fine. I'd say middle of the road in the NHL, maybe a little bit on the plain side. But for this retro series, what do the Red Wings do? They somehow make their already kind of plain jerseys even plainer. What they came up with is just a plain white jersey with the Red Wings logo right in the middle of it, and then there's a single light gray strip on each sleeve and also one around the waist. I'm just not feeling it. You know, they took an already plain jersey, made it even plainer. There's just nothing here to get excited about. It's just a complete nothing jersey. So that's number three. Number two, I'm going with the New Jersey Devils. This jersey is brutal. They just basically added a bunch of green. Uh, From top to bottom, you've got red, you've got a red section on the shoulders, right? And then there's a small white strip. Then there's green on the chest and on the stomach. And then there's another small white strip, a larger red strip, a medium-sized white strip, a slightly bigger green strip, and a slightly bigger white strip. And it's basically the same thing on the sleeves. It's a mess. It's just a complete mess of a jersey. No thank you. Can't get behind these devil's jerseys. Red and green, you know, that color combination, that works for Christmas. I don't think it works for jerseys for a professional sports team. Just my two cents. Maybe you guys like these Devils jerseys. Who knows? I mean, they definitely, again, it's a team that went for it. They didn't play it safe here. But the red and green and and the, the way the stripes are just completely random, not feeling that at all. So the number one worst jersey, maybe I'm biased here. This is a team I do not like to begin with, but it's going to be the Boston Bruins. And the reason they're number one is they just, first of all, yellow is not a good color for a jersey, in my very humble opinion. And what did the Bruins do here? They 
just went with a yellower yellow. It's just a complete nothing jersey. They just made it more yellow. I don't even know what else to say. Yellow is the worst color for jerseys. It doesn't work. It's a weird color for jerseys, and it's not even a weird color in a fun way, you know, like purple or green or something different, orange. Yellow just looks lame. More yellow is never a good thing. The Bruins did very little here. Again, they just added more yellow, and I just don't think it works. All right, so those are the five worst. Let's get into the five best here. For number five, I'm going to go with the Ottawa Senators. I just think it's a really sharp jersey. It's not radically different from what they wear now, but I just love the red and black combo. It's got just a little bit of gold in there as well. I just think it's a really sharp-looking jersey, and they succeeded here with this retro jersey despite having what I think is kind of a lackluster logo. You know, if you go through all 31 NHL teams, uh, the Senators logo probably going to be in my bottom third. It's just a guy looking off to the side. I mean, it, it just doesn't have that much personality. It doesn't have that much flair. But again, it's just a red and black jersey, but it works. It's just a very, very sharp, cool-looking jersey. I don't know that a lot of people would have this in their top five just because it doesn't stand out that much. They didn't really take a massive chance here with what they did. But again, just a good-looking jersey in my very humble opinion here. The, the red and black just works for me. So that's number five. Number four, Going to go with a Ranger rival. I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this is another one that's getting mixed reviews. But to me, you know, to kind of fit the retro theme here, this just screams old school. It's got Pittsburgh written diagonally from the right shoulder down to the left side of the waist. And it's mostly white. There's black at the end of the sleeves. And they dialed back the awful yellow. There's just a couple stripes of yellow on the jersey now. So the Penguins, they should probably just stick with this jersey moving forward because I think it's definitely an improvement on what they have right now. Number three, again, maybe I'm biased here. This is the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm going to put the Rangers at number three. Uh, the one nitpick that I have here, you know, with the Lady Liberty jersey, I feel like the logo needs to be lifted a little higher. Like, there's there's too much space between the collar and the logo. Just raise it up a couple inches. I think you've got a winner there. Uh, that Lady Liberty jersey really is sharp. I do like the darker blue as well. It's different enough from what the Rangers typically wear, but at least they stick with their normal uh, color pattern, you know, with the blue and the red. Uh, it's great. I, I love the Ranger Lady Liberty jerseys. Again, I've talked about this a couple times. It does give me a little bit of pause just because the Rangers, when they were wearing these jerseys, didn't win a whole lot. But I think the timing makes more sense this time around because it does feel like we're entering a new era of Ranger hockey here. So if you want to go with a little bit of a different look on certain nights, I'm all for it. Give me the Ranger Lady Liberty jerseys at number three. Number two, I'm going to go with the Arizona Coyotes. And this goes back to what I talked about when I was discussing the Lady Liberty jerseys. I always thought it was weird that the Rangers went with different jerseys in 1996, given that they had just won the Stanley Cup two seasons ago. It just felt like a weird time to switch the logo and switch the colors a little bit. Wasn't feeling it at the time. I like it a little bit more this time around. But with the Coyotes, it's exactly the opposite. They've been lousy. And what have the Coyotes done? I know that at some point in this decade, they made it to the Western Conference Finals, which sounds strange even saying out loud. But for the most part, this is a team that year in and year out uh, just basically feels directionless and almost never makes the playoffs. They've been awful. So you know what? Change things up a little bit. Don't give me a slightly different shade of maroon. Do something radically different. The Coyotes achieve this here. They go with a mostly purple jersey, which is cool in and of itself because there aren't too many professional sports teams that wear purple. I mean, off the top of my head, all I can really think of is obviously the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Colorado Rockies have some purple in there. You guys can help me out with basketball. I'm not really up to date on that. But you've got the purple jerseys, and then you've got this crazy-looking coyote face in the middle. I can't even explain it. You guys just have to look it up for your, yourselves. The ears are going in all different directions. The one eye is closed. The other eye is open. The coyote's face is two different colors. So there's a lot going on there. And then at the bottom of the jersey, rather than just go with, like, a black stripe or a blue stripe or whatever all these other teams are going with, they actually go with, like, an Arizona desert skyline theme. So what you have 
is right underneath the purple part, you've got black, which is like, you know, the desert sky in the dead of night. And you've also got uh, a half moon there. So you've got the moon, you've got the black sky, and then you've got kind of in like an orange shade, you've got the mountains of the Arizona deserts, and you've also got a cactus there as well. So there's a lot going on here. It's just really cool. It's a team that really uh, flexed its creative muscles. It went for it. It did not play it safe. And I think this is a really cool jersey right here. And for my personal favorite, again, this is one that I feel like could be a little bit polarizing, but I'm going with the Anaheim Ducks because it is completely ridiculous. And I am not a fan of the Ducks' typical jerseys. It's basically just black, and then you've got like a yellow D in the middle. It's just, you're the Anaheim Ducks, you know? You had the Mighty Ducks movies. Your jerseys should be loud, elaborate. They should be colorful. They should scream personality. And their typical jerseys do anything but that. But I love these retro jerseys. So basically, you've got... Uh, a teal and white color scheme here. There's a little bit of yellow, but not enough that it's terrible. And I don't even know how to, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to explain this. So at the top, like on the shoulders, you've got uh, the teal, and then you've got a pair of black stripes on the shoulders as well. So that looks pretty sharp. And then in the middle, you've got all white, and then on the bottom, you've got a very large teal stripe. And the teal stripe at the bottom is made to represent uh, a frozen water body and jumping out of this water this pond this lake this ocean whatever it is you've got a gigantic duck and he's holding uh, a huge hockey stick over his head he's got both of his arms raised in the air he's got his fist clenched uh there's chunks of the ice shooting in every different direction and it's just badass i don't even know how else to describe it and the thing that really puts it over the top for me though is the duck that's jumping out of the ice here he's actually wearing an Anaheim Ducks jersey. So you have the Ducks face also on his chest because it's part of the jersey that he's wearing. So I just love it. I just think it looks really cool. And again, I'm going to lean toward the teams that really went for it here, that really got creative, that really wanted to have some fun, that really wanted to uh, take advantage of this and have a jersey that looks different from their typical jerseys, but maybe doesn't depart too radically from it. This is a color scheme that the Ducks used to wear back in the day. And I just love this jersey. You got a jacked up duck jumping out of a frozen pond looking like he wants to fight everybody that he can find so what's not to love about that but anyway like I said you guys can let me know what you think about these jerseys as well give me your favorites give me your least favorites and feel free to get in touch with me about anything else as well you can do that by sending me an email at lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com once again that is lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com definitely give us a follow on twitter as well at lo underscore ny underscore rangers once again that is at lo underscore ny underscore rangers thanks again guys i will see you next time